Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of History from the Back Pages. This week's movie is a little bit more difficult to discuss compared to some of the movies we have reviewed here on the podcast. It's easy to go kind of in depth on movies that were horrible, horrific, I loathed. And sometimes it's easier going to depth in movies that were really excellent, had a lot of good things to say about them. And sometimes it's hard to talk about movies that were more, eh, kind of mixed feelings about them. Because it's hard to find stuff that maybe I really enjoyed or hated. But this week's movie is one that falls in the middle category. My opinions of it are kind of meh. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it. This was not the worst horror movie I've ever seen. Or the best one either. This one kind of falls below average, middle ground. So we'll get to talking about it right now. This week's movie is called Insidious, The Red Door. And I'm a big fan of the Insidious franchise. This is the fifth movie in the franchise. The movies in the franchise were Insidious 1, Insidious Chapter 2, then Insidious Chapter 3, Insidious The Last Key, and now this one, Insidious The Red Door. There's some rumors they might make a new Insidious coming out, the sixth one. But to be honest, after my thoughts and opinions of seeing this film, maybe it's time to put the franchise to bed, call it a day, say, okay, Insidious franchise is over after five movies. Because as a lot of franchises go, the movies tend to get worse and worse after each one. I mean, I know it's hard to make five movies in a franchise, that's a lot of movies. Let's get to talking about this one, The Red Door. So each of the movies has a different plot point. So the, for example, the first two movies deal with the character in this movie, who's the main character of the franchise. That is Joss Lambert, played by the excellent Patrick Wilson. I'm a big fan of Patrick Wilson. He's a very good actor. He's been in a number of series and movies that I've enjoyed. And he was really good in another series, horror series similar to this one. It's a lot different, but it's also a horror franchise that has a lot of different movies. The Conjuring universe. He plays Ed Warren in The Conjuring. And he's excellent in both of them. So I'm glad he was the main character in this movie. He's also the director too. So Patrick Wilson, who plays Joss Lambert, the main character in the movie directed this film in his directorial debut. And to be honest, for a directorial debut, I thought it was fine. I didn't notice any horrible mistakes or it was one of the worst directed films I've ever seen. I think the more issues were on the screenplay and the story where the main problems occurred for me. But the direction of the movie in terms of having uh, objects, the characters, where they're positioned, how the movie flows, that was okay. So I don't think his direction was the downfall of this movie by any means. The second main character was his son, Dalton Lambert, who's been one of the main characters in the franchises from the beginning, just like Josh. And Dalton was a young child in the first two movies. Now he's a college-aged kid in this one. 
going off to college, freshman year, you're going to start. He's going to have an amazing time. And those are really the only two main characters in the movie. We have cameos from other characters who played big parts in previous films. So, for example, Renee Lambert, Josh's wife, who played by the excellent Rose Byrne, has been a main role in the first two movies. This movie, she kind of had a short cameo role. She's in the movie for like 10 minutes total. She was this there to give exposition dumps saying like, you were a bad man in the past, Josh. Or like, the relationship's coming to a close or it's beyond repair. This blah, blah, blah. This exposition dump that the movie needed to inject to the audience. If she wasn't in the movie, I wouldn't even notice. She was barely in it. Then we had other people from original movies. We had Elise Rainier. She played a big role in the past two films. Big role in Chapter 3 and a good sized role in The Last Key. She's played a big role in those two. She's been in other ones as well. She was one of my favorite characters in the series. She did an excellent job. It was going into the fervor, helping Jolton and Josh get through the demon that was haunting them. The demon of the lipstick. And... This one, she was kind of in it for like two minutes. Short cameo as a ghostly apparition at one point. That was really it. I feel like one thing annoying about this movie is they got all the characters you knew and loved. Like, oh, I really enjoy these characters. And then put them in the movie for two minutes. They're like, they're here. Okay, bye. It's like, what are you doing? I know some of the characters are supposedly dead. They, they were killed off. But like, the characters I really enjoyed were barely in the movie. Other characters I liked who were barely in it was Tucker and Specs. They're two ghost haunting duos, people, you know, ghost hunters. And one thing that really reminds me of them is if you watch Supernatural, my favorite show ever, they have two of people who are just like it. The ghost chasers who are just like these two. This is funny. They did a great job in the previous films they were in, and I was mad they were barely in the movie. They had him in the old YouTube video for like less than two minutes. And if you hadn't watched any of the films, you would have been confused. You're like, who are these people? Just like Elise Rainer's character or Carl, who was in the movie for two minutes. If you didn't watch any of the other films, you wouldn't have known who they were. Because I feel like the movie's like, oh, they know these people. But no. And then the mom of Josh was in the movie for less than two seconds. So really, they had a lot of cameos of characters from the past. This movie mainly focuses on the relationship between Josh and Dalton, the son. Now he's going off to college. And going past the little backstory of the previous films, which I thought was important, now let's get to this film. So The Red Door deals with, in part, and basically the whole movie. I know it's a horror movie, or like, there's ghostly scares. I didn't find that scary, to be honest. But it deals with the relationship between Josh and Dalton. Because Dalton's going off to college now. He's going to get the college angst. You know, the teenage angst. He's going through depressive times. Going through some hard things. He hates his dad. That part didn't make any sense. Because in the previous films, Josh and Renee were married. Now when this movie begins, they're divorced. And I don't really have any backstory or discussion, at least from what I noticed, maybe I missed it, because I haven't watched the other movies in a while. 
but they didn't they were divorced. And the son's like, I hate you, dad. And they're like, why? He's like, he says that in the movie. He's like, I hate you, dad. And you're not really sure why, but he won't talk to the dad. He won't look at him. He's like, don't look at me. And they're divorced, the mom and the dad. And divorces happen often. But in this film, I feel like the divorce, they try to portray the dad as like a monster. Like, he hated his, his family, hated his wife, so he divorced them forever. And the son's like, I hate you. But they don't explain what happened behind the scenes, backstory of why they're divorced. I mean, you could say they're divorced maybe due to all the ghostly hauntings and the horrible things that transpired in the past with the family going through the demons, going into the fervor, like the honor realm, dealing with the trauma that occurred. Could that be why they got divorced? I guess so. But in this one, they're just like, the son hates the dad. He's going to college to get away from his dad who he hates. And they're like, you should accept it. So the dad offers to take the son to college because the wife's like, he'll love it. So they go to college. And the son's like, I still hate you. So then the dad leaves. He leaves the college, drops the son off and is gone. And one of the things the movie does I would not like is that it focuses on two different points of view, which if done well can be a success. In this movie, the points of view it looks at are the dad and the son. So it goes from their points of view. So at some points, the dad's the main focus, ours is the son. And then at the end of the movie, trying to interject them, they're like, we need to get them con together connected somehow. Let's do this. And then they have like some, you know, the main villain boss fight in video games lingo at the end of the movie and they're sort of together but not really kind of still in different places and like the fervor the utter realm and different rooms and it annoyed me that the dad and the son barely spoke to her in the movie besides like texts and the son is still complaining throwing to fit teenage angst college angst being bratty Complaining about his dad and how he's the worst man of all time. We're like, okay, whatever. And the son's acting was fine. Ty Simpkins was fine as Dalton. The thing that is good about him choosing to be Dalton is that it's been the same exact actor every film. So in the first two films, it was this Ty Simpkins. It's still him now. So kind of in this one of these movies where the actor ages after each film that is the case in this one it's been the same guy every time so at least that's enjoyment his role was fine and the thing i didn't like also was that they introduced this character who'd never been in any of the films but they needed him to have some college roommate he needed to do the classic you know going to the frat house getting drunk so to speak you know the classic parties all night long they need to interject onto the movie so they interjected his roommate named Chris, and not Chris a guy, Chris a girl. That was one of the huge plot twists of the film, that it was not a guy, he's getting his roommate, but it was a girl. It's not that dramatic, that's just, they try to make it dramatic, like, oh boy, Chris was a big change to what Dalton was expecting. It's like, okay, whatever. So a lot of the movie deals with Chris, and Dalton's relationship not dating but just like 
as roommates and then become friends. And I didn't really like how they introduced this lady out of thin air and suddenly Chris and Dalton are like simpatico, they're close, they're like, he trusts her for his whole life. And they've known each other for like five minutes. He's like, we just met, but I'm having these problems. I'm having these dreams, these nightmares. Demons are haunting me. I'm having all this anxiety, this angst, this horrible things. I might be crazy, but you're the only one I could trust. And she's like, sounds amazing. I can't wait to help. It's like, what? That part was weird. And then later in the movie, he's having all his problems. And she was like, I trust you for my whole life, Dalton. Did not make any sense? Like, she's just out of nowhere. Like, they needed a... Um, woman who was introduced as the friend, not love interest, but as the friend, the funny friend in the movie to make it more dramatic. And I think of the side characters besides the main guy. So Josh Lambert, Patrick Wilson was f- good job in the movie, which I was hoping and expecting him to do and he was fine. The character Chris, played by Sinclair Daniel, was probably the best other character acting-wise in the movie. Her character wasn't that exciting, but the actor did a fine job as the roommate at the random college. And she had was given random plot points. It kind of difficult to interject her into this Dalton's issues of the dreams and the nightmares and the ghosts. But she was interjected fine, I guess. I think it would have been more interesting if the character Chris was like a high school friend or a friend from long ago who she was interjected back into his life and said, Dalton, I need to help you. You've told me what's going on and I need to help. Instead of just a random lady off the street who ends up in the dorm and he's like, I trust you with my life. And she's like, totally. That didn't make sense. I didn't really like that. But I thought her acting was fine and she played a funny friend perfectly fine so overall to be honest, out of 10 the insidious the red door i honestly did not love i felt the parts with having josh lambert in the movie was good and the son being in the movie was fine as the older son was fine i liked that they kind of aged him up a bit so he wasn't a young child which he was in the first two now he was college age but i felt like the movie was poorly done I feel like instead of being a horror movie that takes place in college with the dad coming to save the son at the college, they fiddled around, wasted time on this college divorce angst. I'm like, I don't care about that. I don't care that the dad's a monster, so to speak. The son's like, I hate you, dad. I don't care about that. And I don't care about... The son, how he's like, I want to go to dra- drunk, get drunk at frat parties and party all night long and have dreams at college. I don't care about that. I feel like they should have done a better job of connecting both characters in the movie. Because maybe like 2% in the movie, besides I hate you dad, there's really a important part of the movie with the son and the dad. Majority of the movie is them doing investigating on their own. So the dad's investigating his past and the present on his own. The son's investigating what's going on with his weird dreams on his own. And then the last two minutes of the movie, they realize something's going on horrible. So they get connected to fight the evil monster and end the boss battle, so to speak. 
but they wasted too much time in college. It was boring. They wasted too much time on the dad figuring out why he was such a bad dad. And then, like, the movie's over. So, honestly, out of 10, 4.5 out of 10, I gotta give it below average. I don't know if I could recommend Insidious Red Door. If you want to complete all five movies, then yes, I'd recommend it. Like, your goal is to finish every um, Insidious movie, then of course, I'd say sure, see it. Or if you had heard from a friend that they had liked prior Insidious movies, maybe I'd see it. But if this was your first attempt to get into the Insidious franchise, I'd say no, please skip it. Or if you're looking to see a horror film that you thought looked good in the trailer, I don't know, but 4.5 out of 10, below average. Don't think I'll be seeing it again, unless I have a friend who wants to do Insidious franchise horror marathon, watch all five movies back to back to back to back, then okay, I'll see it, sure. But if I miss, like, at home or out and about and they're like, Insidious Red Door is on, do you want to watch it? Or let's watch it on Amazon or whatever, I'm probably like, nah, I'll skip it for today. Four and a half out of ten, below average. Wasn't scary. The plot was boring. Didn't make sense at parts. And it was too slow. So four and a half out of ten. Thank you for watching this week's review of the film, Insidious Red Door. One time only. It was kind of hard to remember parts of it because it was pretty boring. But thank you so much. See you next time on Straight From the Back Pages. Hopefully next week's movie is more enjoyable than Insidious Red Door, which in all honesty has gotten worse by the day. When I first saw it, and after I talked about it a little bit, I was like, oh, 6 out of 10 probably. But then after waiting a bit, now it's like 4.5 out of 10, so not as good. So thank you. See you next time.